We are rapidly approaching a time when a labor force will be considered inefficient and obsolete. Automation will soon eliminate large numbers of jobs in various sectors, from the transportation industry, to warehouse operations, to fast food, to nursing. The technology is in its infancy now, but as we have seen with the technological advancements preceding it, like the birth of the personal computer, the internet, the smartphone, this trend towards automation will be exponential and swift, becoming a part of our everyday lives before we have time to examine the ramifications. With all these jobs eliminated, there are a number of different scenarios that could occur. But I do not have any doubt that, if handled incorrectly or irresponsibly by government or corporate interest, we could have widespread civil unrest on our hands within a decade. At first, our free market capitalist society will be happy to learn that the cost of producing goods is reduced due to automation. Some, who are in a situation to do so, may even invest in the companies producing the autonomous machines, earning an additional passive income that could even lead them to being momentarily wealthy. This will artificially inflate the economy while the primary and secondary sectors purchase themselves into obsolescence. But once this has occurred, once the majority of jobs have been eliminated worldwide and replaced by the inexpensive labor and increased efficiency of autonomous machines, some new jobs will become available, but not enough to make up for the difference of jobs eliminated through automation. This will ultimately cause a widening of the financial rift between the rich and the poor, which itself is near an all-time high. If the poor then lose what jobs they already have, and if this spills over deep into the middle class, unemployment rates will skyrocket and a recession will unfold. After all, who can the rich sell their goods to if nearly everybody is without a job? What will they do with their never-ending supply if there are no consumers to create the demand? This recession, if it is to take place, will lead to widespread civil unrest, potentially even class warfare, if historical and anthropological data is any indicator. With martial law put into effect in a military, which is supposed to be by and for the people, policing the streets for the government to maintain the illusion that the economy isn't falling apart at the seams. But we don't have to get here. There is another option that could lead to a renaissance of creativity, innovation, art, and culture. But to understand what can be done to prevent this dystopian nightmare, we first have to look closely at two time periods. The first is the 17th century. The people who landed at Plymouth Rock had left England to pursue their own religion. This is something that is taught in most history textbooks. But what they do not teach you is this. They left England not because England was too conservative for their new, free, innovative, and open-minded religion. These people were literal fucking Puritans. They believe that you are to suffer in your worship of God by means of hard work and sexual repression. You must treat yourself as a sinner. These are the people that founded this country. And that puritanical work ethic has undoubtedly been responsible for great innovations that have paved the way for the world in which we now live. But it is also caught up in the concept of work for work's sake. That idle hands are the devil's playthings. And so new busy work must be created when a meaningful job is no longer available because automation has made it obsolete. That we must be kept at work because this is what our God wants. And this disposition is clearly part of the ethos of America to this day. 
The next period of time we have to take into consideration is the Great Depression, and to start, the time immediately leading up to the Great Depression. Do you know how fucking sick it was for some people living in the 1920s? They had nearly everything. People were living in an F. Scott Fitzgerald novel, partying with flappers and drinking illegal alcohol and playing croquet. Living the American dream, uh, mostly on credit, under a new monetary paradigm instituted just a few short years earlier in which a Federal Reserve was put into place who would manufacture our money and maintain its flow, thus artificially creating scarcity and allowing the manipulation of the market. This Federal Reserve was, and is, largely controlled by an international banking cabal responsible for virtually all of the world's markets and finance. So in the late 1920s, the stock market, a system that is based on perceived value of investment and thus largely responsible for the value of the market itself, took a turn for the worst. The market got caught up in a belief that we, as a society, were poor. Meanwhile, all of the land, all of the goods, all the plants, the animals, the alcohol, the dietary staples, the automobiles, all of it was still here, made and capable of being made, but deflation of stock and commodity values, caused by a loss of confidence in our fiat currency, made the world behave as though it were poor, with starvation, homelessness, and suicide abound. But money is, in many senses, an illusion. I mean, we have the technology the manpower, the resources, and the space to create a relative paradise. And yet we all must play this game because the rules are rigged by the people who invented the game, or, at the very least, can afford to manipulate the game in their own best interest. But the problem with automation is that if it eliminates the jobs of the people who would be purchasing the goods, then no goods will be sold, and so the companies producing these goods will have wasted all of their money on the automation, ingredients, packaging materials, with no general public to sell to because they're all in a soup line. So the, the, this illusory money invented by and for the people running the system can do one of two things. It can come to a stall and tank the economy as expressed earlier at the advent of full industrial automation, or it can continue to flow so that goods can be produced and purchased and the economy can continue to operate and we can continue to be good consumers. And the bourgeoisie can keep running their game and hoarding money. And the only way to do that, if all of the jobs have been eliminated, is to create a universal basic income. Think about it. These machines will pay for themselves many times over, as the CEOs and factory owners will not have to pay a full-fledged staff, but instead only the low cost of maintenance and operation of these machines, which in due time will themselves become self-reparative and self-replicating as technology progresses, uh, thus further driving down these costs of operation and repair. With absolutely minimal overhead then, this company's owner can then afford to pay towards the universal basic income, which I guess, if necessary, could come in the form of taxation, without uh, stepping on their toes in any legitimate way. He in turn will receive his portion of the universal basic income, thus reducing or eliminating the taxes he had paid in the first place, and additionally then, the public will have money with which to buy his products, keeping our economy fluid and active, as opposed to stagnated by unemployment. This concept should be regarded as distinct and separate from communism, though, as the universal basic income will not lead to equitability or even financial equality. The spoils of capitalism, and thus the driving force for achievement, will remain very much intact. This instead is simply a necessary monetary evolution when automation is taken into account. 
While money may be an illusion, in our minds its symbology is very real, and it's therefore necessary in a way for the conductive flow of our economy, as a bartering system can only take you so far. But rather than create busy work only to supplant it to create new busy work ad infinitum, we must create a universal basic income through the eliminated cost caused by automation to then strengthen the economy. These people who would be out of work due to automation now have their basic necessities paid for, and as a result, they have time to pursue what they love. In so doing, many of them will be creating artisan products, inventing new things, innovating in a field they've become studious in and grown to love, and this, in turn, will mean more businesses developed, and thus a stronger economy complete with new cultural artifacts from all of these lovely people, now free to make music, or write books, or direct films, or come up with new dances, or genres of clothing, or fields of science, or movements in art, as of yet unrealized. All the while, the businesses will continue to profit from the sale of their goods. New businesses will come into existence, new plans will come to fruition, and an era of prosperity will begin. From a sociological and economic perspective too, this would be advantageous to the greater good of all humanity. The most ardent conservatives and bleeding heart liberals among us can all agree that our system of welfare, of social services, and of public housing is bloated and covered in bureaucratic red tape. End it and replace it with a basic income to meet all needs, bringing all people closer to a median wage. With basic necessities provided, there will also be lower instances of robberies and related homicides, because there will be less desperate people. These people instead will be able to devote their time to the things that matter to them, creating, innovating, and pushing the tide forward along with the rest of us. Now certainly, I don't have my head in the sand. I know it's not going to fix the problem of crime in its entirety. There's mental illness, both biological and environmental in origin. There are people who want to uh, watch the world burn, and I get that. I understand that this will take time and effort to be corrected in its entirety. This is a problem that we can continue to work on. But the universal basic income would do a great deal to mitigate the problem, far more than raising the minimum wage and the inevitable inflation that would follow implementation of such a policy. And while I have beliefs as to what can lessen the problem of crime and of recidivism beyond eliminating financial desperation, I've digressed from the point that a universal basic income is likely the only solution to the problem of automation eliminating the necessity of most jobs, and the subsequent problem of who, then, will buy the products that we produce as part of our gross domestic product. This appears to be the only rational solution, as the alternative means great societal upheaval and even potentially civil war for the sole purpose of clinging on to puritanical values that were considered too outdated and morose for 17th century England, and should be regarded as a laughingstock when juxtaposed against the backdrop of the 21st century. Such antiquated thinking simply will not suffice in the world of intelligent machines. But how, then, does someone who's come to terms with the propped-up TV stage-set nature of these cultural illusions convince others of this momentous mirage we're operating in and how to unlearn this dogma if we are to attempt to continue along with this particular manifestation of the empire unhindered by civil war?
Speaking on these intertwining symbol structures of money, of government, of the American value of hard work, of our cultural ethos, with the uninitiated is like speaking butterfly language to a caterpillar. Unless aware of what the present world paradigm truly entails, how can anyone evaluate or reevaluate their position on it? The answer to these questions seems to be, as Tim Leary put it, turning on. That is, to illuminate the true nature of reality as best as your limited sensory equipment is capable of understanding it, by honing in on the value of your subjective experience in the ever-present moment, as opposed to ruminating on past or future events. By learning the joy of simplicity and abandoning our tendencies towards stereotyping and demonizing that which is unknown to us, instead choosing to embrace it. This type of change can be achieved by varying modalities like qigong, art, music, meditation, psychotherapy, yoga, jogging, adventuring the sprawling landscapes of this beautiful mosaic planet and the awe that it all brings. Most of these require considerable time, effort, and patience, virtues that are unavailable to us at this juncture. With the advent of industrial automation and massive environmental changes leaving very little time for this transformation to take place in such a slow and deliberate way on an individual-by-individual basis. I mean, realistically, not everyone has time to climb the Himalayas or go to seminary school or become a yogi. Sensory deprivation tanks, cannabis, and psychedelic compounds can expedite this process of shattering preconceived perceptions of the state of the world, leading perhaps most importantly to the realization that our ecology is sacred, and so are the animals and the people of this planet, and they should be treated as your equals. Psychedelics in particular have long been claimed to pack years and years worth of therapy into a single dosage, helping to diminish the ego enough that it cannot selectively frame the world according to your default neural mode for your convenience, instead allowing for the full sensory experience of your surroundings. When we hone in our senses in these ways, we can ignore the bullshit social constructs, the narrow thinking, the limited forms of consciousness that inevitably happen to fulfill the leadership roles because they exude a type A behavior that appeals to our tribal origins, to our ape DNA. You do not need a leader chief in the age of the internet. This too is antiquated, primitive thinking. And by expanding our consciousness through all these different means and media, by acknowledging our faults, by working on ourselves and teaching others at this place of self-evaluation, of self-discovery, we will see our current global paradigm for what it really is. Abandoning this kitschy, cannibalistic game, instead shifting the world towards something greater. However, that type of reflection doesn't appear to be the case in this jingo-capitalist nightmare world of the current incarnation of Caesar, or to the millions in adherence to the rules of Caesar's game. Uh, as an aside, if you're hearing this in the future, our current avatar is real estate tycoon, billionaire, demagogue, and B-list celebrity Donald J. Trump. I'm sure you're all aware how that turned out. But anyway, we get so wrapped up in the monotonous rhythm of it all. Work, check your texts, eat, watch TV, fuck social media, sleep, repeat, that we don't take the time to acknowledge that this is our life, our planet, and we can choose to strip it of its natural resources until it's uninhabitable by our species, or we can reevaluate the entire fucking system from the top down 
so that we don't live outlandishly beyond our means while procreating ourselves into extinction, polluting the planet with varying objects that fail to fill the void in our hearts and instead fill a hole in yet another landfill while happiness was inside of each and every one of us the entire time. We must reevaluate everything about our current socio-political structure. The reason for work, the meaning of a middle-class lifestyle, the way that an economy functions, morality, ethics, gift-giving, consumer electronics, planned obsolescence, retail packaging, I'm talking the whole gambit. Or we will see increasing consequence of our disposable plastic lifestyle. With each individual one of us keen to these facts and consequently serving as our own recruiters for this new way of life, we can turn inwards and abandon the momentum of our past failures as a civilization, righting these wrongs in our own behaviors and our own habits, and moving forward a more perfect union because of it. But a conscientious decision to revamp on a personal level is not enough. We must do so at an interpersonal level as well educating and inspiring our peers, the ones who will listen anyway, so that they too can awaken from the illusions perpetuated by the advertising agencies, the media, and the government to maintain the status quo, which gives them power, prestige, influence, and of course, profit, while the lower and middle classes fall by the wayside. It is only through such a grassroots movement of self-reflection, of change, and of rejection of the social mores and bureaucratic red tape dishonesty and greed that got us here, that we can tackle several problematic elements of the current world at once with universal basic income, perhaps the most dire in terms of global affairs. With the countdown to industrial automation almost complete, the economy will gradually decline into a recession before its slow and painful death if we do not fight for, debate, and then implement an economic solution before the clock gets to zero. So, to get a national and hopefully international mindset wherein a universal basic income is accepted will require some work. Certainly this belief could and would eventually find acceptance on its own, but unfortunately, it likely wouldn't be until after the damage had already been done, serving as merely a reaction to automation and elimination of the workforce. If we wait until this place in time, it seems this will already be too late. Automation will have occurred, and our economy will soon after that uh, grind to a screeching halt, our cities plunging into turmoil. That's one of the reasons it is so crucial to deprogram yourselves from the repressive cultural norms you are subjugated by and liberate yourselves to the infinite universe of possibilities deep within your own mind. Far beyond the confines of business as usual, of the idol worship of our oppressors, of the consumer plantation of the mega mall, of pig empire dogma, a two-party system. Beyond the social programming, defense mechanisms, failing patterns, old cliches, the caricatures of ourselves that we have become. Beyond our infatuation with screens, or with sugar, or crude oil, or followers, to the deep compassion and collective unconscious that is in every one of us, in the dream of what we can do with the power of our minds and our bodies if we work collectively as one for the dream of a better tomorrow. But we don't have the luxury of waiting around for someone else to do it for us. Not anymore. We've waited for heroes our whole lives and the heroes never came and the few who did come uh, were shot or were silenced. But they can't silence all of us. 
The time for your personal revolution of consciousness is now. No one else can do it for you.